Hey everybody, today's episode of Shoppernomics is brought to you by Decision Breakers, experts in behavior-based shopper strategy, insights, and activation. Visit www.decisionbreakers.com to learn more and see how they can help you win the war in store. Welcome to Shoppernomics, the podcast for marketing and insight professionals who want to stay current on the latest understanding of consumer behavior and decision-making. My name is Phil McGee, and today's guest is Jeff Inman, the Albert Wesley Fry Professor of Marketing at the University of Pittsburgh, and his interests include consumer decision-making, shopper marketing, and eating behaviors. Jeff's work has appeared in scholarly journals such as the Journal of Consumer Research, Journal of Marketing Research, Marketing Science, and Journal of Marketing. Before entering academia, he worked at General Motors as a production supervisor and Texas Instruments as a semiconductor distribution manager. Jeff and his colleagues recently published a paper titled, From Browsing to Buying and Beyond, The Needs Adaptive Shopper Journey Model. And I wanted to speak with Jeff about it because it makes a great contribution to our thinking about consumer journeys and I believe has broad application for consumer goods marketers. So Jeff, welcome to Shoppernomics. Hey, Phil. Glad to be here. My pleasure. Terrific. Hey, Jeff, would you mind building on my introduction and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Oh, sure. Um, Well, as you mentioned, in my prior life before academia, I worked at uh, Texas Instruments down in Dallas and uh, at uh, General Motors in Indianapolis, Um, backgrounds in engineering, and then I got an MBA and PhD from uh, University of Texas, and then um, I've been on the faculties at... uh, University of Southern California and the University of Wisconsin, and uh, now at Pitt. Um, my research has always been sort of at the nexus of um, use secondary data with um, experiments, and so now it seems like the world has drifted to that to that spot, and so there you're seeing a lot more kind of behavioral economics uh, uh, sort of sort of work uh, uh, with field studies and um, uh, supplemented with. Uh, either lab studies or um, secondary data. So my, my research has been mostly focused, almost exclusively focused, I guess I would say, on uh, consumer decision-making, uh, typically at the point of purchase. A lot of my research has been uh, you know, in-store uh, decision-making sorts of uh, uh, behavior, which led us to you know, this, <laughs> this project. <laughs> And, and I've, you know, as you know, I've read a lot of your work, and uh, and it's really seminal, and and just makes you know wonderful contributions to uh, to how we think about shoppers. Um, I, I also understand uh, there's a rumor that you've you've taken over as the editor in chief for the Journal of Consumer Research. Is that is that right? That is correct. So we started. Uh, we have a team of four of us, and um, we I'm the editor in chief, and uh, we started um, our term on January 1st. So we're 19 days in now, and uh, we've already received about 40 manuscripts. So at that rate, we're <laughs> going to be tracking uh, well over 700, uh, 800 manuscripts this year. Wow. Well, well, first of all, congratulations. That really is an honor. Um, and uh, but, but also a great Thanks. example of be careful of what you wish for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, That's true. Now, now, you and I met years ago when, when we collaborated on a path to purchase study. Um, uh, you know, re- you recall we presented it at the Institute for International Research's Shopper Insights and Action Conference um, and, and at the Marketing Science Institute's retail conference. 
So, you know, obviously you are no stranger to consumer journeys. Just curious, what, um, what's the background for this paper? Uh, that's a great question. Like, like you said, this is very um, in line with and um, consistent with my prior research stream uh, in general. But more specifically, you know, I also, in terms on the teaching side, I, I teach, I've taught a class over the years that's kind of, you know, evolved. But, you know, it started with scanner data, then it evolved to category management, and, uh, and then shopper marketing. And now it's, you know, focused more, primarily on shopper analytics. And so as part of that, that course, um, I, I taught the students about the various, you know, decision-making models that are out there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as you know, in the late, you know, in the, uh, early 2000s, uh, McKenzie came out with her consumer decision journey, uh, model. And so we, we talk about that in the class and some of the pros and the cons mm-hmm. and, um, and then fast forward to, uh, 2000 and, 16, there was a think tank sort of a conference that took place up in Canada, and Leonard Lee, who's on the faculty at the National University of Singapore, and I put together a group of uh, leading um, academics, thought leaders in this general area of decision-making to talk about um, developing a um, shopper decision journey model that kind of started from base principles and, and built up to a, to a, to a model that would be a little more flexible yeah. and be based on, uh, on core principles in, uh, in, in psychology and, and economics compared to, uh, some of the other models that were out there, like the funnel model and the, um, McKinsey decision journey. Yeah. They, you know, from a practitioner standpoint, I've, I found those models, uh, a bit, uh, first of all, a, a bit too high level, number one. And number two, uh, they, Really, we're uh, operating on our assumption of a one-size-fits-all, that, that all shopper journeys yes. basically follow the linear process, um, and you just need to kind of plug and play for your category. Um, and, and you guys, um, you, you mentioned your principles before. I think one of your principles was that, um, that that's not the case, that, that, that these journeys often are not. Um, uh, one of your journeys you know, is described as linear, but, but for the most part, most of them are not that way. Why don't you to talk about some of those principles? Well, the the core of the model is that um, shopper journey model is that um, the specific steps or stages that the shopper goes through in in, in, their, in a particular journey is adaptive, and hence the name adaptive, uh, based on the the needs that are driving that trip mm-hmm. um, or that that particular journey. Yeah. And so we started with kind of the, the core notion that um, we're looking, the shopper's looking to, to maximize their own utility, mm-hmm. uh, the ultimate goal, if you will. And, and then around that, um, there's, um, we, we, there's this three-day session being locked in a room. We said, okay, now what are some of these steps that people would go through? What are some of the needs that people would, would go through? And so we just, we, we have a, we have a, um, you know, a, a figure in the, in the paper that really I think does a good job of bringing it all together. And it's, it's got the different steps that people might go through. So we like those steps. We're not necessarily arguing that uh, we, we think that uh, actually it's not the case that I, every shopper goes through every step on every trip. Right. And I think McKenzie's model does adapt to that a little bit because they have that inside loop where, you know, you kind of just uh, do the habitual purchase loop. Right. Um, 
but uh, but we um, kind of had a uh, epiphany during this session that somebody said, you know what? How can we kind of capture that general idea that people go through different steps through, through based on different types of trips and needs? And we came up with this idea of an archetype, an archetype journey. Mm. And and so um, we pursued that, and then we uh, ultimately ended up following that up with uh, some data collection to kind of get a sense of the, you know, how valid are these these archetypes. And I uh, went out and surveyed some consumers and um, got a, you know, developed a perceptual map and captures about, and I'm looking here, about 75% of the variance. And uh, we ended up with 12 different um, archetypes. Okay, so um, your readers want to hear about all those, but you know they they vary a lot. Yeah, so so we'll talk about a couple of those. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Jeff. Um, But but I want to step back just for a minute. So it sounds like the twelve archetypes are um, based off of you know the the knowledge of those that were in that session. You know, kind of based off of the the you know aggregate of of prior research and knowledge going into it. In other words, these these archetypes weren't necessarily derived from a journey segmentation algorithm. Uh, they were more inferred from prior research. Is, is that accurate? I'd say that's a fair characterization. Well, you know, Hey, just given, given the knowledge and experience of those in that room, um, frankly, I'm, I'm quite happy to defer to that knowledge base more so than what a SPSS um, algorithm is going to provide for me. Um, and, and so then what you began to describe was um, as a way to organize your journey archetypes uh, through additional research, you explored several different dimensions. And, and I'm going to go through them just real quickly and then you can comment. But just, you know, for the audience's benefit, you looked at involvement from low to high. Uh, you looked at, you know, buying versus browsing, entertainment versus purchase, uh, self versus socially driven, uh, hedonic versus utilitarian, affective versus rational, goal versus non-goal oriented, uh, price sensitivity, either low or high, uh, time pressure, either low or high, whether um, it was necessary versus discretionary, and whether it was intrinsically or extrinsically motivated. And so these were the different dimensions that you were talking about in, in your mapping exercise. Yeah. And, and, and that allowed you to kind of take these 12 archetypes and, and build upon them kind of this, this layered um, understanding of, of, of the underlying motivations. And so what was the benefit of, of doing the mapping? What, what, what did you learn from that? Um, that's a great question. What we learned from it, I remember hearkening back to, you know, 2016, we were thinking of these different dimensions and I was like, oh, there are all these different ones, but let's come up with two. And then we, we just kind of eyeballed a map of where these, uh, um, um, definitely a perceptual map based on the perceptions of the people in the room with no data uh, of where these different archetypes might fall. We, and we were we weren't really happy with that. We said we need to go out and talk to some, you know, to to, to some shoppers and, and and see how what they think of these. Right. And so we wanted to get a sense of where do these um, archetypes fall on this sort of a you know, relative. Uh, uh, distance from each other in terms of these dimensions, and then how are the dimensions correlated with each other? That's what's nice. I've always liked perceptual mm. maps because I can, you know, I, I don't have to guess what dimensions are correlated with each other. I let the data uh, tell me. Yeah. And so you get we got that from this map, and then we also can kind of see 
some interesting um, uh, relationships. So, for example, we see, you know, I'm looking at the map here. I don't know if you have the latest one, but it's a gifting is um, high on time pressure compared to, you know, retail therapy is kind of in the lower right-hand quadrant. It's just the opposite. Right. And, and gifting's higher on involvement, um, higher on price sensitivity, retail therapy, you know, not so much on either of those. Impulsive, right. same thing. So, and so you look at these and say, okay, it also gets you, um, gives you a sense of whether this thing, these archetypes have any face validity. Right. It kind of makes sense when I look at these. And yeah. it goes, I mean, to me, when I got, when we got these results, I this this makes sense, you know, that that learning and impulsive would be closer to each other than they are to say gifting or joint purchasing or social network driven stuff. Right, right. Purchase. So so that um, so we can help people kind of wrap their minds around these these archetypes. Uh, let's not go through all of them, but but let's just touch on a couple and maybe you can describe uh, them. So for example, the uh, the classic was I think the highest incident uh, journey type. Uh, you, you guys called it the classic. Uh, tell us about the classic journey. Well, the classic journey to us, I mean, the way we tried to describe it when we, cause we gave, we gave uh, um, respondents uh, or participants in our study uh, uh, a brief description of what that journey looks like. And, um, and the classic to us maps onto the, you know, the McKinsey kind of start from knowing very little about the category and then let's ramp up and do consideration sets and search and evaluation and uh, drilling down to purchase and then post purchase evaluation kind of the classic and you know, i move you know, take them all the way around the circle sort of thing okay um so clearly that does exist but but that's only one of the 12 uh, you had another one which was you called the required journey uh required means you know i've got a you know I have to to buy a new faucet because my other one went out, so I've got to go do it. And so now I've got to get, get this done. And so the need is very immediate. The the price sensitivity is going to drive me, so I'm not as price sensitive as I would be if I'd planned ahead. Um, and so I've kind of got this you know the urgency uh, to a to a required sort of a journey, um, or it could be required that I need milk, right? So it could be habitual as well. So sure. uh, I'm not. I don't have as many. I don't have as much latitude on those types of journeys. I've got to get it done quickly. And and so um, so so those two I think are you know, in line with the way people think about shopping trips. But one of your one of your principles was that not all journeys are motivated by a purchase. So like my That's favorite right. my favorite for example was the retail therapy journey. Can you tell us about the retail therapy journey? Sure. Well, I mean, people might want to take a break and just go on the car website and redmonds.com or go on to Amazon and just kind of browse around, go to a cosmetic site, watch uh, some cosmetics uh, blogs or vlogs on uh, YouTube. Um, not necessarily planning on buying anything, mm-hmm. just kind of using that as almost um, kind of retail entertainment, right? It's just, it's a break. Yeah. And learning what's out there. And, and I thought it was interesting. It's, um, I mean, it sounds like it was more than a break. It was, it was really the, it was the offsetting of a negative emotion, right? So I, I feel bad. I need, I need therapy, and so I, I, I participate in those activities to get that therapy. Exactly. Yeah, really yep. interesting. You, you talked in the paper about, um, you know, why the. Uh, the several reasons the, these traditional models were not really relevant in today's world. And you talk about four emergent changes. Um, there was, you know, consumer knowledge, there was um, advances in technology, there was product availability. Um, and, and there's also just recognition that people are busier today. 
Um, and so, so one of the um, journeys, which you call the outsourced journey, and, and in fact mentioned that uh, we can expect this one to grow in importance, is, is really the result of, of those busy lifestyles. Um, can you tell us about the outsourced journey and, and why you expect that to grow? Sure. Well, no, you did a great job of uh, teeing that up, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, some people are just, you're just too busy and it's not that important of a decision to you, perhaps. Um, and so, and you, or, or it's a, or what is an important decision and, and you just don't feel like you have the expertise and, or the, and the time to gather that expertise. You outsource it to somebody else. So, you know, kind of like the, the you hear, we hear about the bots, right? There's going to be shopper bots. Yeah. Um, that are, and they're, they're already they already exist, but they're they're going to get more and more sophisticated. And so, to the extent that we try these bots and they do a decent job of matching our needs, then you're going to see more and more people outsourcing their um, their uh, decisions to 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 these bots. Uh, Amazon touching on that a little bit, you know, with the uh, you know the the, the, the the dash buttons, you can just load the push it, and it'll automatically reorder the the product for you. Yeah. Um, they're outsourcing that to Amazon. So where we have where they want to source that from and, uh, and how much you're going to pay, uh, you don't even look at that. It's, uh, it's just automatically done. So, so, so you're going to see a lot more of that, I think. Yeah. And I think it's really, uh, important that you call this out. Um, and, and important for marketers to understand, uh, I, I used to call the delegate, um, of, of someone else's outsourced journey, the proxy shopper. And, well, and same thing. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. True. And, and, you know, just to, to bring that to life a little bit, um, my wife, you know, has asked me to pick up some things and, you know, of course, you know, several times and I love shopping. Um, but she and I have very different objectives in mind when it comes to shopping. You know, she'll ask me to pick up some eggs and, and what she wants, and, and I know she wants it. <laughs> she wants free range, omega-3, organic, um, you know, all, all of the health benefit type of eggs, which happen to be, you know, three or four times as much in price as you know, <laughs> your basic eggs. And of course, you know, I, I'm going for the basic egg. I'm, I, I, want, I want to walk out of there knowing, you know, just how much I saved um, relative to what my wife wanted. So, you know, of course, you know, the, 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 the person who is outsourcing um, is often disappointed with what the proxy shopper returns with. And, uh, but, but it's important really, again, as marketers to recognize that proxy shoppers do have their own objectives. Um, and, and it's important to understand, um, kind of their approach to shopping and, and what it means for them and, and maybe how to market in store to the proxy proxy shopper, uh, who may need a little bit more nudging to, to, you know, bring home what, what that, um, what the primary shopper wanted. Agreed. And there's also a risk to, uh, you know, back to these bots that, and there's a there's a potential incentive to cheat toward the direction of in a direction that benefits the the company or the brand more than the shopper. And yeah. the risk the risk there, of course, is that you know the shopper says, well, hey, you know, <laughs> they call foul, and then there goes that opportunity. They decide they better do it themselves. So right. that's a that's a you know you got to evaluate the return versus the risk. Well, it's interesting. I heard that after the holiday shopping, thirty um, percent of online purchases will be returned. Obviously, because of you know gifting doesn't always work out the way you hope it would. But but you also have you know proxy shopper syndrome, um, which is which is generating that activity as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I didn't realize it was thirty percent. I heard it was high. I didn't realize yeah, it was I, I just 30%. heard that recently, and and that's that's alarming. Um, now, uh, so you. 
in the paper, you show that multiple journeys can often occur on a single shopping trip. So, for example, I, um, I may be on the classic trip, but, um, you know, along my journey, I'm also engaging in oh. entertainment oh, and opportunistic right. um, and, and even maybe retail therapy, kind of all, all kind of mixed together. Yeah, that, I think that's a good point. And one that's easy to lose sight of is that these trips can be nested within each other. So, for example, I, back to your example, going to buy the eggs. So that's an outsourced journey. You're on this outsourced journey. Well, while you're there in the store, you may engage in some retail therapy and flip through some you know, car magazines for yourself. Or you may you know, engage in a classic journey um, and look for a particular you know, item that kind of matches your, that your needs and your steps match the, you know, the classic McKinsey model. But uh, the, the, point, the key point here is that these journeys – don't just happen in isolation. They often happen simultaneously. Yes. And, and I think one of the things that um, maybe was your correspondence, Matt, revealed was that some of these journeys are more closely associated or, or even negatively associated than others. And, and so, you know, you can, again, as a marketer, if you understand the relationship between some of these journeys, you, you can market to them and maybe anticipate that, you know, on, on, on one trip, which may be the primary trip for my category, um, there's likely to be a secondary uh, objective or journey that, that I may want to market to at the same time. That's true. And, you know, that's, that's an interesting direction for um, research because we just don't know uh, the answer to that question is that if, if a particular, let's say there's, let's say there's a particular type of need that, that stimulated the, you know, the journey that got you to the store. Um, and so, um, um, does that create some sort of a mindset, right? If I'm in this mindset where that particular uh, archetype is making me, um, you say high involvement and, 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 and price sensitive, well, that may well suppress my tendency to engage in Im impulse purchases. Right. Or, or maybe it works the other way, and I did make some impulse purchases to kind of you know balance things. We just don't we don't know how these the, how these uh, these various mind shopping mindsets work work together on the same trip. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm you know I'm I'm assuming I think the answer to this is is pretty obvious and intuitive, but that different product categories will lend themselves more or less to certain journey types, you know, like, like diapers may be more likely to be on a, um, a required trip. Just for example, cookies may be more associated with the classic trip and, and so on. And I think, you know, each, each marketer can do their own research to determine, you know, wh which is which, but when you think about, the, I agree. when you think about the portfolio shopping, you know, kind of the, the total trip, it might be interesting to think not just about your category's journey type, but maybe other categories journey type that are purchased on the same trip. Because when your category is driving the trip, you may be, let's say, a classic. But when your category is a passenger on some other category's trip, you might be the entertainment. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's critical. And what's a little bit different than what we usually we usually think about segmentation. We, we segment people um, and they stay in that segment. Right. And we may reassess it every once in a while. This is not like that. This is like this trip, your classic journey. This next trip, I'm on a, on a, on a routinized journey. And so the, the shoppers can engage in all different types of arch archetypes. And so back to your point about understanding your particular category, the key would be to try to understand which of those archetypes are are my products most falling into, most likely to be falling into, and then behave accordingly with my marketing mix. Did your work 
go that far? Did you do research to, um, let's say, overlay on your correspondence map different product categories by any chance? It wasn't in the paper. I didn't know whether maybe that was additional analysis you may have done. No, we did not do that. That would be a great direction for for research. And, you know, I'd be happy to, you know, talk to anybody that's interested in doing that. Um, we just, you know, they're, they're, there's so many different types of categories. You almost have to have, you know, specific ones in mind to to be the focus of that sort of a empirical study, but it certainly could be done. Oh my gosh, I, I, that, that would be incredibly powerful um, to be able to do that. So, so, well, thank you, I guess, for offering that invitation. And uh, so the bait's out there for anybody to take. Um, so I want to move on to the, the, the discussion section of the paper where you, you highlight an opportunity to cater to shoppers on journey types that don't always end in a purchase, you know, like the entertainment journey, the learning journey, the social network journeys. And I thought this is really, really it, just a great point. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll ask you, uh, why, why is doing so so important? You know, wh- why would you want to cater to shoppers who are, are just going to, you know, shop or browse and then walk away and not make a purchase? You know, what, what's the benefit for retailers or marketers to do that? Uh, yeah, that's. A, I'm glad you called that out too. Um, I think we used the language in the paper. I remember thinking about you know how can we talk about why you would do that, and <laughs> I think it's more of a it's a it's a uh, I think the language we 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 finally decided to go with was a playing long game, uh, yeah. in that um, if if I just take a, a trip, if I'm a retailer or a, or a, or a brand, it's just a, this what happens on this trip is all I care about. You know that. That's fine, and then I think that's appropriate to to a certain extent. But we can't lose sight of the fact that this is, you know, especially if I'm in a commonly, you know, frequently purchased category, I'm gonna get another chance. Right. I'm gonna be back in the store, and so the long game. I'm laying the I'm laying the groundwork so that uh, when they are on a classic journey, that I'm in the choice set, and I may and I may have been able to get into that consideration set or choice set based on efforts I made, you know, a trip or two earlier or even earlier than that. Um, so, so that it's kind of, this more of a, it's more of a philosophy. It'd be hard to measure, you know, the, the short term, long term effect. Right. But I think in terms of just kind of taking that long view that even if there's not a purchase of my category, I still have a chance to, to, to lay some groundwork for, for my brand in the next time that uh, shopper is in the, um, looking at that particular category. Yeah, and, and I think that's marketing strategy at its best. You know, if I recognize that my category um, may, you know, the journey to purchase my category may begin with retail therapy. Um, step one, step two is entertainment, and, and then step three, you know, might be a social networking journey. Ultimately, that gets the purchase. But knowing that I've got to hold consumers' hands through those stages. Um, to successfully convert that sale rather than just, you know, you know, hit them with, with, with the journey where the sale occurs, I think is, is really important to understand and, 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 and a very, very, uh, you know, challenging, but, but potentially uh, incredibly effective way of marketing to people. Exactly. So, you know, we often think about uh, the need to understand shopper behavior as they're standing, you know, in front of our shelf and we not consider uh, fully the context of, of what happens before or, or even after um, that, 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 you know, when I'm standing in front of the shelf, I am just a sliver within the entire journey. 
And it's important to understand the uh, kind of the external influences, the, um, the technology that they may be using before or even during the shopping, um, the cognitive behavior states that they may be experiencing, you know, before or during or, or again, even after. And so, you know, what this work has done is brought just a lot more context to the to the shopping number one and then secondly just also saying hey you know it's this this isn't linear and it's just about, it's not just one objective there are multiple objectives you know and journeys going on and so um you know this is complicated stuff folks and and if if you really want to market well to these different journeys you've got to dig deep and 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 fully understand it uh, the, the superficial exactly, understanding exactly. isn't really going to get you there and and you'll end up just wasting a lot of money and energy um, you know, thinking you're doing the right thing, but, but you, you're lacking the depth of understanding. And so, so to that point, you know, if, if, if marketers wanted to understand more about the journey types, are, are, are there, and, and you guys do a really, really nice job um, giving, um, you know, profiles of the 12 archetypes, uh, are, are there deeper um, or more comprehensive profiles available beyond what's in the paper? Nope, that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? I mean, that 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 rolls up what uh, you know. Roll, you know, it kind of summarizes um, our thinking at that point in time. And again, you know, research and understanding and knowledge is like this. This is one step along that road, and we need to we need more more research. So back to your earlier point about you know understanding that this is um, the these of these trips are not all created equal is that you know the the understanding the archetypes that affect my particular uh, product category will help me also identify the touch points right so I need to understand you know where's the best places along the way to to kind of get the right information to the to the shopper at the right time yes and if, if and if a step doesn't even get taken, yeah, a particular step on that classic journey doesn't even get taken in my categories shopper journey, then I'm wasting my money uh, trying to design in touch points at that point. Right. Well, you know, let me let me just um, you know to build upon my my question about is there more comprehensive profiles available? Um, I, I think first of all, you guys did a fantastic job of giving a nice dense explanation of them in, in your concise descriptions. So, so there's, there's, there's really a lot there uh, to begin with. So, so no one will be disappointed when they read those descriptions. They will, they will walk away understanding really what, is, what, what, what are the core um, you know, motivations behind them, um, number one. But number two, I also understand that these types of papers are, uh, are to inspire additional research. And, and this, this isn't, you know, intended to be a plug and play. It's intended to say, Hey, you know, look, there are, um, principles and ways of thinking about journeys. So begin here and, and then understand it for your own category. And, and, you know, one of the things that I was wondering as I was reading the paper was, you know, this is, this is wonderful. If, if there's a way we can, you know, use this as a standard approach to, to, you know, to journeys, um, then how can I incorporate this into research that I want to do myself? And, and is there a, a typing tool I can use in order to segment uh, my survey respondents into one of the, the 12 archetypes for my category? And, and I think, you know, the answer is no, because again, these weren't really analytically derived, but at the same time, in, in I think in the appendix of your paper, you've done research where, 
you let consumers self-select which uh, which of the journeys they were on, and, and in fact, they have the opportunity to select more than one. So, I, so I, th- I think you're really giving marketers and researchers what they would need in order to take this and apply it toward their own uh, their own businesses. We tried to do that. That's true, Phil. Um, but if I was a you know if I'm a uh, in a particular category, I'd probably want to start with this this idea in mind that I want to look at these, uh, these different types of different types of journeys and, and determine which ones are, are, are at play most in my category. And I want to maybe start with some qual and just interview some shoppers right. um, and have them say, walk me through a trip, you know, blah, 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 you know, and, and get a sense of um, kind of what are the steps they're going through. And then you can follow that up with some um, quant. For for some listeners, they this may be you know a relatively new space. Um, you know they may be obviously aware of uh, that consumers have journeys, right? And 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 it's important to know it, but um, may not have thought about it you know much beyond that. But it, and may now be appreciating you know the the depth and complexity behind really understanding what is your consumer journey and how do I market effectively to it. Uh, are there any books um, or articles, Jeff, that come to mind that you might recommend uh, for anyone who wants to learn more about this topic of consumer journeys and, and the motivations behind them? That's a great question. You know, the, actually, the one thing that struck us is there there really isn't mm. <laughs> out there. I mean, you've got the the funnel model, and you've got the you know the work around the McKinsey uh, model, and then. A lot of consultants are out there with their own particular, you know, journey model that they're 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 hyping. But we didn't see any, you know, sources that started with base principles and built up to a, mm. a journey model like we tried to. And that actually that 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 stimulated this this paper. So we're hoping that this can serve as a, like a first step in that direction. I don't know if we're ever going to write a book around it, but you know, I mean, usually I could see that it could be done because you could take these journeys and really flesh them out and do some qual around each one and, sure. and, and do some example categories um, uh, and really flesh this thing out. And there could be a book, but right now, as far as we know, there's some there's books like why the why behind the buy sort of, sort of thing. Um, but it doesn't get into this at all. So, so no, I, I, I'd be interested to see if there was one. Yeah, I agree with you. I haven't seen anything either, and um, uh, certainly nothing that that approaches it systematically. And and that's the the beauty of of this work is that it helps you to know how to even think about it. Well, thanks. Uh, Jeff, I think we did a really nice job um, talking about the main learnings. Is there anything that we didn't talk about? Anything else that we should really cover before we wrap up? Well, I think we've spent the last you know, five or ten minutes talking about kind of what's next and how would I put this into action. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that if I'm listening to your podcast, I'd be, you know, like, well, how do I, this is interesting, how do I use this? Um, and so that's why I tried to talk about, you know, do some qualitative and then follow that up with some, some quantitative like we did but to, for the particular product category. But, you know, I mean, this is, no, I think, I think we've, cover all the bases that I can think of off the top of my head. How about you? Uh, no, I, I, I think you're right. And of course, at the end of the day, everyone wants to know, you know, what can I do about this? And, and, and I think we've, you know, helped people maybe think about what to do next. Um, you know, certainly read the paper um, and, and be, get immersed in this because, you know, you're, you're just not going to market effectively 
uh, or efficiently if, if you don't know the journey that your, your consumers are on when buying your branding category. Um, and then, you know, secondly, I think you've given some great advice about, uh, from a research standpoint, you know, doing the qualitative uh, followed up by quantitative um, and, and how to approach it that way. And then thirdly, um, you know, again, you've given, you've opened a door for people to reach out to you and, and maybe work more in depth on and taking this to the next step. Uh, if people did want to reach you, Jeff, uh, what's the best way for them to do so? I think just email me, J-I-N-M-A-N at Pitt, P-I-T-T dot E-D-U. Terrific. And so, uh, so you know, hopefully someone will take you up on your offer. But, but besides that, I'm, I'm interested because you're always working on, on really, really cool stuff. Uh, what, what are you working on um, or plan to work on that we can look forward to? Any, anything shopper related? Um, one thing in particular, I'm working with an online ticket reseller to kind of map out the shopper journey in in that space in a, in a digital space because a lot of uh, online sessions don't end in a purchase and so we're trying to figure out what are some of the sticking steps um in the digital space on the ser- on the search side that may be problematic in terms of uh, not leading to a purchase that's terrific yeah so stay tuned maybe next uh, maybe we can do a podcast on on uh, the digital journey <laughs> oh by all means absolutely well we'll absolutely look forward to that um but but for now uh you know thanks so much jeff uh, for your time and for your work uh, i've really enjoyed reconnecting with you and getting the inside scoop um, on this paper uh, and thank you just really for all of your insights and understanding over the years about consumers and shoppers uh you know personally you've you've made you've been a major influence on how i've come to un- understand shoppers and shopping. So, uh, so, so really, thank you very, very much. And best well, of luck in your new role as editor in chief for the journal of consumer research. Well, thank you very much. Um, pleasure, pleasure talking to you, Phil. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, as well, Jeff, take care. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I'd like to give a special thanks to decision breakers for making today's episode possible. We'll see you next time on Shoppernomics. Shopernomics.